Hi, this is Brad Constantine, and this is a podcast recording of the Old Testament. Although this is not an official recording of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, every effort's been made to be as doctrinally accurate as possible. I'll be using for the text the Joseph Smith translation of the Old Testament, along with many commentaries from general authorities of the Church, BYU professors, Bible scholars, and others. This format will be very detailed, and so if you want a deep analysis of the Old Testament, you come to the right place. Thanks for your attendance. Hi there, and welcome back. This is going to be for Jonah chapter 1, and I have a question for the entire book of Jonah here as we use this as a context. Was Jonah a good missionary? Ah, good question. Okay, we'll find out maybe sometime in these chapters. All right, a little narrative about Jonah, first of all. Bible scholar, sometimes uh, that question by saying, answered the question by saying, we know little of the life of Jonah, but that little is more than we know about some of the other prophets discussed in this volume. In the first verse of the book under his name, he is said to be the son of Amittai, but the book of Jonah is not the only Old Testament book in which he is mentioned. In 2 Kings 14, we are told that Jeroboam II, king of Israel, restored the border of Israel from the entrance of Hamath unto the Sea of Arabah, according to the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, which he spoke by the hand of his servant Jonah, the son of Amittai, the prophet who was of Gath-hefer. There can be little doubt, therefore, that Jonah was a historical person and was engaged in prophetic activities. The prophet's home, Gath-hefer, according to Joshua 19, was located in the territory of the tribe of Zebulun. According to monastic tradition, it was the same as that as the present Arab village of El-Mashed, some three miles northeast of Nazareth, where one of the many Muslim tombs of Nebi Yunus, the prophet Jonah, is pointed out. St. Jerome, around 400 AD, also speaks of Gath-hefer as being situated two Roman miles from Sephorus towards Tiberias. Jonah's name means dove and that of his father, truthful. Since Jonah lived during the reign of Jeroboam, it is possible to date him at approximately 788 BC. But both Jonah and Jesus were from the Galilee area. That Jonah's story is a true one and not an allegory, as some scholars maintain, is evidenced by Second Kings 14 and three New Testament references. The story of Jonah was referred to by our Lord on two occasions when he was asked for a sign from heaven. In each case, he gave the sign of the prophet Jonah, the event in that prophet's life being a foreshadowing of Jesus' own death and resurrection. Jonah is the, in the great fish is the sign of Jonah spoken of in Matthew 12, 38 and 39. Then certain of the scribes and the Pharisees answered, saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. But he answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the, of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And then in Luke it says, And when the people were gathered thick together, he began to say, This is an evil generation. They seek a sign, and there shall no sign be given, but the sign of Jonas, the prophet. For as Jonas was a sign unto the Ninevites, so shall also the Son of Man be to this generation. I mentioned that Jonah is mentioned in Second Kings where it says he restored the coast. I think I already read that, didn't I? He was from about three miles northeast of Nazareth. Okay, verse 1. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jonah, the son of Amittai, the same Jonah in Second Kings. Arise, go to Nineveh, the capital city of Assyria, the enemy of Israel, that great city, and cry against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. His mission, this is his mission call. But Jonah rose up to flee unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord and went down to Joppa, and he found a ship going to Tarshish. 
That's easy to say. So he paid the fare thereof and went down into it to go with them unto Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. Tarshish is thought to be in Spain near the Straits of Gibraltar. Spain was considered the end of the earth as far as the Lord as far from the Lord as Jonah could possibly get. Why did Jonah take off? He was afraid that the people of Assyria would repent and not be destroyed by the Lord. Remember that they're a rival to Israel, so he was hoping that, that uh, Assyria would be destroyed. Jonah was a type of Christ in that he was in the belly of the whale in hell, in his own, in his own words, just as Jesus was in the grave for three days and then came forth again. Keel and Delitz showed that the significance of Jonah's story is broader than that. The mission of Jonah was a fact of symbolical and typical importance, which was intended not only to enlighten Israel as to the position of the Gentile world in relation to the kingdom of God, but also to typify the future adoption of such of the heathen as should, as should observe the word of God into the fellowship of the salvation prepared in Israel for all nations. As the time drew near, when Israel was to be given up into the power of the Gentiles and trodden down by them on account of its stiff-necked apostasy from the Lord its God, it was very natural for the self-righteous mind of Israel to regard the Gentiles as simply enemies of God. It was very, or as enemies of the people and kingdom of God, and not only to deny their, cap, their capacity for salvation, but also to interpret the prof, prophetic announcement of the judgment coming upon the Gentiles as signifying that they were destined to utter destruction. The object of Jonah's mission to Nineveh was to combat in the most energetic manner and practically to overthrow a delusion which had a seeming support in the election of Israel to be the vehicle of salvation and which stimulated the inclination to pharisaical reliance upon an outward connection with the chosen nation and a lineal descent from Abraham, the attitude of Israel towards the design of God to show mercy to the Gentiles and grant them salvation is depicted in the way in which Jonah acts when he receives the doctrine or the divine command and when he goes to carry it out. Jonah tries to escape from the command to proclaim the word of God in Nineveh by flight to Tarshish because he is displeased with the display of divine mercy to the great heathen world and because according to chapter 2 or chapter 4 verse 2 he is afraid lest the preaching of repentance should avert from Nineveh the destruction which with which it is threatened. In this state of mind on the part of the prophet there are reflected the feelings in the general state of mind of the Israelitish nation towards the Gentiles. According to his natural man, Jonah shares in this and is thereby fitted to be the representative of Israel in its pride at its own election. The infliction of this punishment, which falls upon him on account of his obstinate resistance to the will of God, typifies that rejection and banishment from the face of God which Israel will assuredly bring upon itself by its own obstinate resistance to the divine call. But Jonah, when cast into the sea, is swallowed up by a great fish, and when he prays to the Lord in the fish's belly, he is vomited upon the land unhurt. This miracle has also a symbolical meaning for Israel. It shows that if the carnal nation, with its ungodly mind, should turn to the Lord even in the last extremity, it will be raised up again by a divine miracle from destruction to newness of life. And lastly, the manner in which God reproves the prophet when he is angry because Nineveh has been spared is intended to set forth as in a mirror before all Israel, the greatness of the divine compassion, which embraces all mankind in order that it may reflect upon it and lay it to heart. That was in the commentary on the Old Testament. So, verse 4, But the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the sh ship was like to be broken. Remember, this is the Mediterranean. 
Then the mariners were afraid. This must have been a very bad storm to have scared sailors, and cried every man unto his God, and cast forth the wares that were in the ship into the sea to lighten it of them. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship, and he lay and was fast asleep. So you can see they, they throw uh, their, their um, cargo overboard to make the boat lighter so that it'll float on top easier. So the shipmaster came to him and said unto him, What meanest thou, O sleeper? Arise, call upon thy God, if so be that God will think upon us that we may that we perish not. And they said every one to his fellow, Come, and let us cast lots, that we may know for whose cause this evil is upon us. So they cast lots, and the lot fell upon Jonah. Then said they unto him, Tell us, we pray thee, for, the, for whose cause this evil is upon us. What is thine occupation, and whence comest thou? What is thy country, and of what people art thou? And he said unto them, I am an Hebrew, and I fear the Lord, the God of heaven, which hath made the sea and the dry land. Then were the men exceedingly afraid, and said unto him, Why hast thou done this? For the men knew that he fled from the presence of the Lord, because he had told them. They said they unto them, then said they unto them, What shall we do unto thee, that the sea may be calm unto us? For the sea wrought and was tempestuous. And he said unto them, Take me up and cast me forth into the sea, so shall the sea be calm unto you, for I know that for my sake this great tempest is upon you. So it sounds like that Jonah would even die before he would go on his mission. Wow, that's pretty... Anyway, how do these verses show that Jonah's running away was not because he was a coward? The men did not accept Jonah's offer until they had made every effort to save themselves in other ways. Jonah's willingness also shows his awareness that his actions had displeased God. Jonah's, uh, Jonah witnesses that only reluctantly did the sailors cast Jonah overboard as he had commanded them to do. In an attempt to absol absolve themselves from offense against any of the gods, the sailors offered a prayer to the Lord and begged that their deed might not be counted against them. Verse 13, Nevertheless, the men rode hard to bring it to the land, but they could not, for the sea wrought and was tempestuous against them. Notice they don't want to throw him overboard. They're trying to get to land. Wherefore, they cried unto the Lord. Notice that they're converted here. They believe in God because of Jonah's example. So is he a good missionary? Yeah, we'll see. We beseech thee, O Lord, we beseech thee, let us not perish for this man's life, and lay not upon us innocent blood, for thou, O Lord, hast done as it pleased thee. So they took up Jonah and cast him forth into the sea, and the sea ceased from her raging. Then the men feared the Lord exceedingly, and offered a sacrifice unto the Lord, and made vows. Now the Lord had pr prepared a great fish to swallow up Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. All right, let's talk about this fish. Is this true or is this just a metaphor? Joseph Fielding Smith said, Are we to reject it as being an impossibility and say that the Lord could not prepare a fish or whale to swallow Jonah? Surely the Lord sits in the heavens and laughs at the wisdom of the scoffer and then on a sudden answers his folly by a repetition of the miracle in dispute or by the presentation of one still greater. I believe, as did Mr. William J. Bryan, the story of Jonah. My chief reason for so believing is not in the fact that it is recorded in the Bible or that the incident has been duplicated in, in our day, but in the fact that Jesus Christ, our, our Lord, believed it. The Jews sought him for a sign of his divinity. He gave them one, but not what he, they expected. The scoffers of his day, notwithstanding his mighty works, were incapable because of sin of believing. He answered and said unto them, An evil and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given to it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For as Jonas was three days and three nights in the, belly's, in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth." 
The Hebrew word tenin used in Jonah and the Greek word katos used in the New Testament describe any sea creature of immense proportion. Sharks are common to the Mediterranean and have throats sufficiently large to admit the body of a man. Of course, the miraculous nature of this event lies in the fact that Jonah could survive in the digestive tract of a large fish for three days as much as in the fact that he could be swallowed whole. That was in the Institute Manual. So that's the end of the chapter, and we'll see you next time. Bye.